Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm an integrative and functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in well over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs. And I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a school in practitioner mentorship where we help other clinicians level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what this show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I would love for you to subscribe to the show, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Now give me the mic so I can take it away. Okay, friends, we are back today. We're going to talk about long COVID. Um, I think this is long overdue. A lot of questions have been asked about this. And so we're going to dive into it. I have my lead practitioner, Rachel Mystery, here with me today. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm not going to do a big, long intro on Rachel. She's been on the show before. You can get familiar with her because she's going to be on more shows in the upcoming future. But we're on the heels of the autoimmune series. And I thought this was a really good time to bring up long COVID, which is not technically an autoimmune illness, but we definitely can see some overlap. So Rachel and I will discuss that a little bit today. Rachel has definitely seen some long haulers, uh, long COVID lately, the past year and change. Um, and so she has been working with her patients dealing with long COVID. So I thought she was a perfect person to talk about like what's happening and also address some treatment strategies that she has seen be effective. So that's kind of the name of the game today. We're going to talk about what it is, what causes it, why people are seeing such extreme fatigue, who's most at risk, and then ultimately what you can do to help yourself. Okay. So the first thing that I want to say before we, we get into it is that this is not new. I think it's a new concept for a lot of people. Perhaps this is the first time they've been hearing about it. I like what Dr. Amy Prohl says. She says that the interesting thing is I'm not sure if this virus is that different than other viruses in its capacity to be the instigation of a chronic syndrome. I actually just think it's happening to way more people. And so it's being recognized and noticed and studied more. And I absolutely agree. This concept of chronic sequelae, which is like how it's written in the medical lit is it's not new, but it's absolutely not studied as robustly as it could be. I think now, because we had such an uptick at, because, you know, we had this pandemic where a lot of people were being infected with the virus, we were seeing this chronic sequelae happen more. And so now it's being taken more seriously, which is great because these are definitely the people, the people that have dealt with long haulers in the past, whether that was an Epstein-Barr virus, you know, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, these are the people who have really been left behind, forgotten about, potentially gaslit by their healthcare providers. So now that we're seeing this more on a global scale. We're talking about it more, but I just want people to understand this is not necessarily unique to SARS-CoV-2. We have seen this with other viruses and pathogens as well. I want to first just start off by kind of defining it. What would be, let's say somebody got infected with COVID, what's normal convalescence? What is normal recovery versus long haulers? How do we know? I think a lot of people are a little anxious about getting long haulers. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you know if that's what you're dealing with or maybe you're just still recovering from a virus? 
For sure. So the concept of long COVID or long haulers, it kind of appeared in January of 2021. It took like 11, 12 months for us to officially start to recognize this even after acute COVID was recognized. And over the past year alone, the definition has really changed. Where long COVID in in 2021, we said that it was uh, symptoms that lasted more than 28 days after testing positive for COVID. Now we say symptoms that stick around for greater than 90 days or about 12 weeks. Part of that is like, it's just like you're convalescing from an illness. And I just, because we're mm-hmm. so culturally geared to like, go, 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 do, 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 recover, you know, get mm-hmm. your baby body back after two weeks of having a giving birth. Like we're so indoctrinated with that, that mm-hmm. if it's taking us a little bit long time to recover, we're like automatically pathologizing that and being like, oh God, there's something really wrong. Where like, maybe you were just like really super run down, super stressed. You caught a virus and your body's taking a little bit of time to recover. So I think probably that 90 day mark is probably more accurate. I agree with that completely. And where sometimes people struggle to differentiate between is this long COVID or is this something else is because sometimes within those 90 days, it's a return of those symptoms that you had during COVID. And in some cases, it's an onset of completely new symptoms, even after you've completely recovered. I've seen patients where they feel like they recover from COVID and then two months later, they have new acid reflux symptoms or all of a sudden they have this massive fatigue. And so then they get this big workup to try to figure out what's going on. And for some people, it is even a a diagnosis of exclusion. Like, well, we can't find anything. (laughs) What else could it be? You, you talk about how like long COVID can kind of exist on a spectrum. What do you mean by that? So for some people, long COVID can be really disabling where they are essentially bedridden or they exert themselves in the slightest way and they are just extremely fatigued. For other people, it's a little bit of brain fog. And so the concept is you could feel just not like yourself, just not 100%, or you could be completely wiped out by the end of the day. And again, this comes back to it existing on a spectrum. For some people, they get this, we call it the post-exertional malaise. So they expend themselves just a little bit. They think a little too hard. They, they stress a little bit too much about a situation. They're completely wiped out. For other people, it's this shortness of breath. They're just exhausted. I see this lack of tolerance to mental, emotional stress, to sound, to light, even to movement for some people as well. Yeah. So that PEM or that post-exertional malaise is essentially one of the hallmarks of chronic fatigue Mm -hmm. syndrome, right? And so are you seeing fatigue as the chief symptom of long haulers? Absolutely. And part of that is due to the mechanism behind COVID, that inflammatory response, how it affects our mitochondria, how our cells produce our energy as well. So fatigue is definitely the most common symptom that I'm seeing in these long haulers, but um, this inflammatory response, right? It it can affect the lungs, the gut, the sinuses. Um, It can trigger responses really throughout the body. You talked about mechanism. Like why are people getting long COVID? Like what, what is happening? Okay. So with long COVID, this COVID causes this inflammatory response. This inflammatory response triggers mast cell activation in our body. And it triggers the release of these cells or these um, chemicals called reactive oxygen species. And the more inflammation caused by COVID, the more severe we can start to see these uh, long COVID symptoms. Mast cell activation 
can trigger neuroinflammation. Basically, you get these inflammatory molecules, they stimulate mast cells. These mast cells start to stimulate inflammation in our brain. And then if that goes on for an extended period of time, if that even starts to happen in the part of the brain where these autonomic functions occur, things like your heart rate, your temperature, sleep, digestion, we start to see what's called dysautonomia, which is where our patients start to experience palpitations. They start to experience vertigo. They start to experience disruptions in these things that should be happening automatically in our bodies. And so realistically, it's this cascade of this inflammatory response occurring. And then we start to enter what's I call the chicken or the egg type of a scenario. The more mast cells you're producing or the more mast cell activation you're getting, the more neuroinflammation you're experiencing. Neuroinflammation also triggers mast cell activation. So it's a vicious cycle that we have to work to get our long haulers out of. So that makes a lot of sense. This mast cell activation, can you elaborate on that a little bit more, especially for folks who are listening that might not be super familiar? Yes. Conventionally, mast cells are thought of as the cells that release histamines. Um, Histamines are these compounds that trigger an allergic type of a reaction in our bodies. But we also know that it's they don't just produce an allergy response in the body. Um, Cytokines, mast cells release cytokines, which are more inflammatory signaling molecules. And then we also, our histamines can also release this compound called platelet activation factors. So these platelet activation factors are interesting ones because they can create changes and damages to our vasculature, to our blood vessels and our arteries. And this is where even some women can start to experience changes in their menstrual cycle after having COVID, um, issues with clotting. And then I don't know if you have heard of people talk about COVID toes, but it's almost like the little blood vessels in their feet are getting damaged after having COVID. And so they start to lose, they start to get like poor oxygen to the tissues as well. Oh, that's so interesting. Are you seeing an uptick in MCAS diagnosis or people dealing with that after getting COVID? Absolutely. And what I have seen clinically too, is that patients who struggled with an allergy type of a response or mast cell type of reactions pre-COVID are having a worsening in their symptoms after having COVID too. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, okay. So we've seen this like big mass cell response. We're seeing fatigue. What, what else are we seeing with long haulers? Does that about cover it? Or are there other things going so, on? As it relates to long haulers too, I would say, yeah, we're seeing the fatigue, the shortness of breath, the malaise. We are seeing an uptick in digestive issues, in headaches, allergies, eczema, reflux, reflux that dysautonomia type of symptoms as well. We're also seeing that COVID can trigger or exacerbate autoimmunity in the body. It can disrupt how our mitochondria function. It can reactivate viruses and it can even interfere with our microbiome in our gut. And we can't forget our show sponsor. Let's talk about low sugar nutrition. I'm always looking for kind of quick and dirty ways to pack in extra nutrition, polyphenols, antioxidants, fibers for my gut, and even herbs for my stress response, like the more adaptogens, the better, which is why I use Organifi powders 
every day, several times a day. I love to put them into my water. This is great if you're one of those people that struggles to just get enough hydration, get enough water. And if you feel like water is really boring, these powders can zhuzh it up for you. My kiddo loves them. She feels like she's drinking juice. My personal favorite is the red juice. So it has lots of different red powders, things like acai, cranberry, pomegranate, strawberry, raspberry, blueberry, all of those polyphenol-rich red and blue powders. And it's low sugar. All of Organifi's powders are under three grams of sugar per serving. And most of them offer up fiber as well to counteract any spike in blood sugar. So highly recommend. I throw them in my smoothie so I can pack in a bunch of veggies without adding a ton of fruit that might spike my blood sugar, and I can still make them sweet and palatable. Go to Organifi's website, Organifi.com. You can click the link in the show notes. Be sure to use the code FUNK. It will save you 20% off of every single order you ever place. You get a good deal, and you get to support all the good things in your body too. We also want to thank our other show sponsor. When I start to feel my stress and anxiety kick it up a notch, like Emeril Lagasse, I personally lean on Ned's De-Stress Blend. It's a certified organic formula that features two powerful plant compounds, CBD, and then the lesser known CBG, which is considered the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is for anxiety and stress. De-Stress Blend also features ashwagandha, one of my favorite adaptogens. And I think I say that about all the adaptogens, but ashwagandha was my gateway into adaptogenic herbs. So I do have a special love for it. Invest in yourself and fortify your stress response. Get 15% off of Ned's De-Stress Blend with code FUNK. Go to helloned.com forward slash FUNK or enter code FUNK at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash F-U-N-K to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. All right, back to the show. I want to bring up something because, um, so Dr. Alessio Fasano, who's at Mass General, he's a pediatric GI doc. Uh, he's also a researcher. He's the guy who discovered zonulin. So anybody, any practitioners listening out there, if you're talking about leaky gut and you don't know Alessio Fasano, you gotta, <laughs> you better ask somebody. Um, but he's like kind of a, a big, a big deal. Let's just say in the world of gastroenterology and immunology. So basically he was talking about like how his entire work shifted over into like all COVID all the time, as soon as it hit and he works with children, but he was, he discovered this reservoir is what he referred to it as like this reservoir of COVID in the gut where like people weren't able to like fully clear the virus from the gut. So we know that with like the port of entry, like we breathe in the virus, right? That's how the virus gains access to us is through our airways. But then after a few days, he the virus was like still lingering in people's GI tract. And then he, he noticed that was happening for some people for weeks and for some people even for months. So like for some reason, these people weren't effectively clearing the virus out of the system. And what was happening is it created, it kind of shifted the microbiome in such a way that it increased the release of zonulin, that protein that opens up tight junctions, right? And contributes to leaky gut or opens up the, the gut lining essentially, right? And so the spike proteins from the virus were actually gaining entry into the bloodstream. 
And he was referring to this as a super antigen. So um, this super antigen, so we've discussed on the show before, especially on the heels of all the autoimmune talk and antigen is a foreign, foreign protein in the body, right? And your immune system has to determine, is this friend or foe? Do I attack? Do I not attack? Good or bad? So on and so forth. And so this super antigen basically created this super immune response, essentially, like an inappropriate immune response in susceptible people, not in everybody, but like in susceptible people where it created, you know, you mentioned cytokines, but this huge cytokine storm, this huge inflammation, um, and that inflammation could actually target specific organs. And I think this is where part of like the mast cell kicks in. Cause it's like, you've got this like big immune response, all of these immune cells kicking off, kicking off, kicking off. And then it kind of trips up that vicious cycle that you were talking about right? Um, but this process is capable of inducing autoimmunity is what, what we were seeing. And so again, I think it was, I don't, I don't, we're recording in advance. So I think it was last week's episode, but I'm not totally sure. We were talking about like different ways, different mechanisms that autoimmunity get induced. And we talked about molecular mimicry. We talked about the bystander effect, but he was saying, this is slightly different. This is a super antigen effect of um, how autoimmunity gets turned on. And I just thought that that was really fascinating. You know, we wanted to get together and provide you all with the information that we had in regards to COVID long haulers, but I also really don't want anybody walking away feeling like super scared being like, oh my God, I'm going to get it. This is so scary. I, I think it's fair to at least float this out there where we know that certain viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, can potentially turn on autoimmunity in susceptible individuals. But anecdotally speaking, we have also seen the COVID vaccine do the same. And this is not a position, you know, we're not for or against, we're just trying to provide information. So there's always pros and cons that we have to weigh on both sides of the equation. Again, don't be super scared, but this is, you know, this is one of the potential reasons that we're seeing long-term side effects after a COVID infection. But, you know, I mentioned the microbiome and I know this is going to come into conversation later on. Remember, as we discussed, one of the key functions of the microbiome is to basically instruct the immune system to decide if it attacks, why it should attack, when it should attack, and like how best to unleash this information or this inflammation, I should say. So if you have an imbalance in your microbiome, dysbiosis, you know, pathogenic bacteria, not enough beneficial species, kind of like westernized gut, then this can absolutely have an impact on your immune system and how your immune system decides to fight or not fight something. So if we have an imbalance in the microbiome, we can have an imbalance in that immune response. It can be more aggressive. Dr. Fasano used the word belligerent, which I really thought was kind of funny. And so this is all epigenetics. Um, whether or not we get an illness, whether or not we get long COVID after an initial viral infection, it's not just because, oh, this is the hand that we were dealt, but it's really more so our, as he would say, this depends on how you play your genetic card. So it's those epigenetic factors. It's those lifestyle factors. It's how you're eating. It's how you're moving your body. It's how you're taking care of yourself. And we really want to get to a point where we're 
supporting our microbiome in such a way that it becomes more of a friend and an ally and not so much something that's like working against us in terms of our immune system. Kind of a big topic, but I, I want to, I just, I think that's a fair, a fair thing to bring up. So we can see long haulers. We can see that we can see COVID trigger autoimmunity, right? Mm-hmm. But what other things can we see from COVID? So we can definitely see COVID triggering autoimmunity. We can see it reactivating those viruses. And then we can most commonly, we start to see this um, mitochondrial dysfunction with COVID as well. So I feel like most people are familiar with mitochondria from science class. Like, I don't know anything, but I know that mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Um, And so the concept is that in long COVID or in these long haulers type of patients, um, mitochondria are thought to be dysfunctional. And the main function of our mitochondria is to produce energy. And essentially this is happening all of the time in pretty much all of our cells. And these mitochondria, they provide the energy we need to function. Essentially that fatigue, post-exertional malaise that we see with these long COVID patients. But when you take a look at the mitochondria in people with COVID and, and even long COVID, we start to see that the DNA is displaced in mitochondria. So this is traditionally a sign that infection is present or that infection is occurring. The concept is that this inflammatory response from COVID can create damage to the mitochondria. And then also they can interfere with how these mitochondrial mitochondria function normally. And then the interesting thing here, again, we get into the chicken or the egg type of a scenario, but we know that long COVID has been shown to activate EBV. This is Epstein-Barr virus. Normally it's, it's present in your body. It's, it's hanging out there. It's just dormant going through these stressful events can activate these viruses. And then we also know that in patients who have EBV, EBV has been shown to alter our mitochondria. And so it paints a nice picture about this link between COVID, long COVID and the mitochondrial function and overall health as well. Absolutely. And I mean, it's kind of like, this is not, again, not unique to SARS-CoV-2, right? Viruses, can absolutely have a direct impact on destroying mitochondria. So like just in general, and we're also seeing it with SARS-CoV-2. We are linking up some research articles and one of the research article I will link up is called Mitochondria in the Crossfire of SARS-CoV-2 in Immunity. So you can read a little bit more about that, but essentially it's these spike proteins, right? I think everybody knows, knows the term spike protein now turns on the messengers that create mitochondrial uncoupling. And so the mitochondria become inefficient. And so inefficient mitochondria, Hey, guess what? They're not producing. If they're the powerhouse of the cell, they're not all that powerful. If they're inefficient, they're not producing ATP. They're not producing the energy that the cell needs and the body needs to thrive. And, um, this uncoupling can also have an impact on the respiratory and cardiac pathways. So we can see complications, uh, that way. And I think this is really, you know, to, to back up what Rachel's saying, this is part of the reason that we're seeing these ongoing symptoms of COVID and when we look at who are most prone to having serious complications with this, it's folks with type two diabetes. Uh, we know obesity plays into it, 
age. And if we look at all of these cohorts, one thing they have in common is inefficient mitochondria. Not the only variable, absolutely not, but it, it's one that is there, you know, if we're talking about the links with mitochondria and what the hell's going on. Um, Datis Karazian, he said this, and it's like really stuck out in my brain because it's such a it's such an important way to think about this. But he said, who do you think does better with a viral infection? Who do you think is more resilient? Who do you think will recover faster? Somebody with heaps of ATP or somebody who struggles to make ATP, right? So just, again, taking a, taking a little bit of a, like a wider lens view, we can't just think about COVID or any virus in a vacuum, but we also have to really think about the terrain that that virus is hitting. And PC, pre-COVID, I was allowed to talk about terrain. It wasn't a problem. It was not antagonistic. It was not problematic. It was not provocative to talk about the terrain. There was a couple of years there where nobody could talk about terrain anymore, but I think we're back, baby. I think we're back and we're allowed to talk about terrain again because terrain matters, right? It's not just, is the virus hitting? It's what terrain is that virus coming in contact with? And so we always have to just like take a step back and look at the full picture. What... <laughs> What um, we're doing a great job. Rachel and I don't get together enough. So <laughs> we're having some chuckles. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's talk about because I just kind of like teed up. There are some people that are potentially more at risk for getting com complications with COVID, but who's more at risk? Um, or what I should say, what puts people more at risk for getting long COVID? And I love the comment that you made about wanting to zoom out and to treat the terrain and we want to treat the patient as a whole. So don't get me wrong, causes of long COVID are still being researched and I think the literature is going to continue to grow. But again, we're thinking about overall, what is the health of their microbiome? Do they have any history of viruses? You know, what is their autoimmune type of profile? But then we also need to think about what were their symptoms before COVID? Did they have an allergy type of response? Did they have ongoing um, MCAS type of symptoms? Did they maybe have mold exposure prior to COVID? Those are the patients that I can tell you that I've seen respond the worst to getting an acute COVID infection and then also uh, struggling with symptoms post-COVID. COVID as well, those MCAS, those mold patients as well. We know that getting COVID also disrupts the gut brain access and it can contribute to dysbiosis in the gut. It can cause that uh, production of LPS to get translocated. Just back it up because we're not talking to FNA students here. You're right. So you're LPS right. <laughs> Rachel's my lead. She's a lead practitioner at the functional nutritionist, and she's also the lead. Uh, what is your title for the functional nutrition? Clinical Academy? mentor, clinical mentor. She's the lead everywhere. So just call her the lead. So she's used to talking to a lot of different clinicians. So just in case you're unfamiliar with LPS, that stands for lipopolysaccharides. It is something on the, on gram negative bacteria and it's really should not gain access to the bloodstream. If it does, that's a problem. That's a big inflammatory load on the body. Absolutely. And so thinking about COVID can, how COVID can negatively impact your microbiome, we need to take into consideration also what was somebody's gut health? What was the status of their microbiome pre-COVID as well. And so, like you've mentioned, those patients with dysbiosis, too many bad bacteria, not enough good bacteria, they also 
tend to respond less favorably to an acute COVID infection as well. Which makes sense. I mean, for all the reasons that were discussed, like if the microbiome Mm -hmm. is such a huge influence to how our immune system responds and what we're seeing in long COVID is that the immune system isn't really responding appropriately right? Like, I think that's fair to say, it's not like the immune immune system's like, oh, here's a virus. I know what to do. I'm going to get this virus out of here and then get on with like, do a little bit of a rehab for myself and then get on. It's that's not happening. There's an inappropriate immune response. And so of course we have to look to what influences the immune system, which is like, you know, everything else. (laughs) And this is also where I use this phrase a lot with my patients. And I feel like I've heard you say it too, but big picture, we want to go inflammation hunting for our patients. Um, We want to figure out what's driving their health concerns, but also if there's unaddressed inflammation in the body, that's going to drive long COVID that's going to drive that mast cell activation as well. And then you get that, those cascade of symptoms too. So um, for folks listening who may be dealing with long COVID and you, they hear go inflammation hunting. Is there any, like, where would somebody start to do that? So a lot of foundations that I think about would be, well, foundations first, we think about making sure that your blood sugar is balanced. We know that if your glucose is up and down and up and down throughout the day, that not only is going to affect your adrenal health and your hormonal health, but that can impact your autonomic nervous system. And again, your autonomic, autonomic nervous system is responsible for all those automatic processes that happen in your body. Uh, one of the ways to strengthen or to restore these autonomic functions is to implement that regular nervous system support, supporting that vagus nerve. Also thinking about other sources of inflammation, we think about food sensitivities, making sure you're on a low inflammatory diet, identifying any problematic foods that could drive, you know, more fuel to that fire. We think about potentially testing your stool, taking a look at the microbiome. We also know that there are a handful of things we can do from even just like a dietary perspective to support long haulers. And even from a prevention perspective, perspective, like you've mentioned a deficiency in good bacteria and those beneficial bacteria can put you at greater risk for COVID, but we want to produce lots of these, uh, they're called uh, short chain fatty acids or butyrate. Um, basically what happens is the good bacteria in your gut, they eat the fibers and the plant foods that we consume and they produce butyrate. Um, This is an anti-inflammatory compound. It supports that gut immune response. It suppresses intestinal inflammation, supports the gut lining. And so in a lot of my patients, we run stool tests because so much of your immune system is located in the gut. And we want to take a look at the levels. Um, Normally I'm really working with my patients on also prioritizing a really diverse diet in plant foods and polyphenols, all that good stuff as well. So, you know, it's kind of like a top to tail approach. What I'm hearing you say is like the big thing is to kind of figure out where the source of the inflammation is, because Mm -hmm. if there's a big immune response, there's usually big inflammation. So we just kind of need to get an overall assessment of where the inflammation is coming from. Mm -hmm. Diet plays a huge role. Um, Blood sugar balance also plays a huge role. Um, I did an episode or a few episodes on the link between metabolic health and COVID. Um, I'll 
you can also head to the website, thefunctionalnutritionist.com forward slash metabolic for a lot more information on blood sugar balance. You mentioned supporting the vagus nerve. Do you have any pro tips on that, that your patients respond really well to? Yeah, there's this great resource. It's by Stanley Rosenberg. I have it here on my desk, actually. Um, it's called Accessing the Healing Power of the Vagus Nerve. And the last 40 to 50 pages of this book actually have exercises, stretches, techniques that you can implement to actively strengthen your vagus nerve. So I, I recommend it to a lot of my patients. They, they really, really like it. In addition to these exercises, even meditation, breath work, cold exposure, and of course, managing your blood sugar are all things that you can do to stimulate and activate and support that vagus nerve and autonomic function. I don't want to get into this today for the purpose of time, but another thing that can be very, very helpful is some brain retraining. So next week, I'm going to come back and do an entire episode on the neuroscience and the neurobiology of chronic syndromes, including long haulers, including long COVID as I've been saying, you know, with these long haulers syndromes, it's oftentimes our immune system are overreacting to the original infection. And so we need to support the physical body, but we also have to support things from the brain down. Um, so you can look forward to that in uh, next week's episode. Other dietary strategies, we definitely want tons of plant fiber to increase short chain fatty acid production, have those anti-inflammatory, you know, compounds kicking around anything else from a diet perspective that you think people should, should know about. There's a lot of interesting emerging literature about bioflavonoids or basically bioflavonoids are natural compounds found in plant foods that have been shown to inhibit inflammation in the body. They've been shown to um, help stabilize mast cells and they also have antiviral properties. Basically these flavonoids, they help get zinc into your cells and zinc has, can, can kind of help to shut off that viral replication. A lot of foods that are rich in flavonoids are things like your teas, your berries, your apples, your red wine included, and even those citrus fruits. Quercetin is a compound that I think you and I both use a lot in practice as well that is rich in flavonoids that can be really, really therapeutic. Um, and then fasting. And we know that fasting 12 to 14 hours overnight can really help to support autophagy. And autophagy is a process that happens in our body. It's like self-cleaning or self-clearing where our bodies remove all of the damaged cells and debris inside of our bodies. And so if we think about how a lot of patients with long haulers have mitochondrial dysfunction, implementing a 12 to 14 hour fast, if it's appropriate for them, is a great way to start to clear some of that junk out of the mitochondria. So you can start to produce that energy a little bit more effectively. And I think you have a podcast episode on this to help, help people gauge if this is a good fit for them or not. Yes, exactly. I do because it's, you know, fasting is not appropriate for everybody. And we tend to take a kind of a funky approach where we're like, if some is good, more is better. So I want to just underscore what Rachel said. She said 12 to 14 hours. So that's basically like, you know, you eat dinner at 6 PM 
12 hours later is 6 a.m. So it's not like you're skipping breakfast. It's not like you're not eating until noon or one o'clock in order to get these benefits. It's really just you stop eating at dinner and then you eat breakfast, right? Like that's really what seems to be um, the most supportive for overall you know, female sex hormones too. So you can check out that episode because it's not appropriate for everybody, but the way that Rachel's talking about it, she's basically just like, don't eat in the middle of the night. And there you go. 12 hour fast. Perfect. Perfect. And we're going to quickly interrupt this discussion to shout out one of our show sponsors. As a reminder, the support of our sponsors is what allows the Functional Nutrition Podcast to continue to pump out new content to you. So we always thank them. We hope that you support them too. Shout out to show sponsor Element, I'm so pumped to hear that you guys are digging this stuff. I knew you would. It's so freaking tasty. I did get a question about sodium. Somebody asked if I was concerned with the sodium content and the answer is not at all. In fact, that's why I sought out Element as my electrolyte drink of choice. Active athletes, especially during hot weather, can lose up to seven grams of sodium per day just through sweat alone. And in order to replete that, to replace that, we need both water and sodium so we can reestablish appropriate and proper hydration. Listen, it's summer here in New Hampshire. It's hot. I'm active. I like to do hot yoga. Honestly, on my hot yoga days, I actually double down on Element. I know many of you are active as well. So this is something that we really should be mindful of. Salt has been villainized. It's not the bad guy. We need salt. We need minerals. We need electrolytes. And if you want to do it in a yummy way, Element is your thing. So right now Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. So that's eight packets for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try the flavor, see what you like. And you can get it at drinkelement.com forward slash funk. The deal is only available through my link. You got to go to drinklmnt.com forward slash funk. You also get a no questions asked refund. So try it risk-free. You're going to love it. And then also you've probably heard that the human body is mostly water, but what you probably don't know is that everything else in your body is about 50% amino acids. These building blocks of life are essential for health and for fitness. No matter how you like to move, whatever you do to stay fit, amino acids are essential. This is why Kian Aminos is my fundamental supplement for fitness. I drink them every day, usually a couple of times a day for muscle and for recovery. Kian Aminos is backed by over 20 years of clinical research, has the highest quality ingredients, no fillers, no junk, undergoes rigorous quality testing, and tastes really good. So if you want to naturally boost your energy, build lean muscle and enhance athletic recovery, you need to get Keon Aminos. You can now save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases. Just go to getkeon.com forward slash funk. That's G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com slash F-U-N-K to get my fundamental supplement for fitness, Keon Aminos. Um, and so that, that can support the mitochondria, other things you like for mitochondrial support. You know, I think about exercise and building muscle to support mitochondria, but that can be a little challenging for folks who are dealing with long COVID or any type of long haulers. Um, do you find that helping people find a threshold of movement can be helpful or how do you navigate that? Absolutely. And so I like to prioritize restorative movement or restorative exercises, at least to start to get them building up to it. And so 
I'm normally recommending that patients start with potentially walking after meals. That'll also help with glucose control, um, leaning into whether that's yoga, bar, Pilates, very gentle movement to see how do their bodies respond. Because some people will feel great during that exercise and they'll be completely zonked afterwards. So it's, it's tailoring the duration and the intensity to their personal threshold and what they can tolerate as well. When I was dealing with, this is years ago, I was like really dealing with autoimmune flare-ups and I would find that rest because I knew how important maintaining muscle mass and attempting to generate new muscle mass, how important that was for overall recovery and immune function and mitochondrial health. I would do more rest-based training. So I would go to the gym or work out at home with like dumbbells. I would lift and then I would like do a set and then I would rest until I felt recovered. And then I would do a set. So it was like, I was still able to do that, um, you know, muscle building activity without pushing my body beyond its capacity. And sometimes like going for me, going to a yoga class or a Pilates class, I have a little bit of a hard time not pushing myself too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's kind of something to think about. And then what about red light therapy? Are you a fan for mitochondrial health? I love red light therapy. You do. Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen it anecdotally with patients really help with energy levels as well as just helping them feel like they can kickstart their day a little bit better. A lot of my patients, when they use it in the first half of the day, they feel more energized. They feel like it sets them up for more success as opposed to in the evening hours as well. I don't know if you've seen the same thing. I have thoughts on vitamin D. So there's a lot of literature backing up vitamin D's role in, Mm -hmm. in COVID or D deficiency. Um, how do you strategize this? I always suggest checking your vitamin D status. Like you mentioned, we know vitamin D plays a crucial role in the inflammatory response in patients with COVID vitamin D can, and there's a lot of literature supporting the use of vitamin D while somebody actively has COVID. And it's a great way to reduce risk of severity of COVID and long COVID. So I suggest I'm a fan of testing and not guessing, check your vitamin D status. Yeah. You don't want to start like taking like crazy high doses of vitamin D. If you don't, you know, if you don't know where your starting point is, I'm curious, cause I know you run a ton of labs. Have you noticed, you know, just looking at labs, have you noticed a correlation between low vitamin D and long haulers just in your own, you know, working with your own patients? Generally, yes. And then oftentimes what I've found is it's not just the low vitamin D. We're seeing a need for B vitamins. We're seeing a need for omega-3s. More often than not, it's just a, not just a standalone vitamin D deficiency, but a handful of nutrients. And we're in the middle of your hormone revival right now. So I've been doing a lot more lab reviews with women in this program. And I would say I'm seeing an uptick in vitamin D deficiency, even in the functional nutritionist practice alone. Oh dear. Uh, get your vitamin D checked. Um, and I did talk on episode 172. I did talk about like more in depth about that connection between vitamin D and just overall viral infections and immune health. So you can get more information there. Okay. So diet, lifestyle supplements in terms specifically of long COVID, where do you feel like you get the most, where do you move the needle the most for people? Um, or is it a combination of all three? 
I would say the the diet and the lifestyle, I think of them as more foundations. I'm not throwing 20 supplements at my long haulers until they have the foundations figured out and balanced. But from a supplemental perspective as well, I have seen these nutrients for mitochondria be really therapeutic. Basically these cofactors and the raw materials necessary to produce that ATP can really, really move the needle in these patients with that fatigue, that post-exertional malaise. So I'm thinking about B vitamins, I'm thinking about omega-3s, L-carnitine are nutrients that can be really, really supportive for these patients. And then if we're thinking about that overall inflammatory response in the body with COVID, with long COVID, um, I think about potentially like uh, glutathione or N-acetylcysteine, the compounds to help your body make glutathione, your master antioxidant as well. Yeah. Do you, are you, what about like a CoQ10, ALA, uh, alpha lipoic acid, uh, like just basically antioxidants, like antioxidant therapy. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I personally have not been working with a lot of long haulers and sending them, you know, Rachel's taking lead on that. Um, Or I should say long COVID, but just generally speaking with mitochondrial dysfunction, I would say this is the, like the one place, same with you. I'm like lifestyle diet, lifestyle diet. Like we have to get these people doing the fundamental building blocks. So Mm -hmm. important. And I will say with mitochondrial dysfunction, I'm like, let's give, let's go hard with supplements just because I've actually seen it move the needle and like get somebody out of a real fatigue place. And I, that's like one of those supplements that I won't let go of. I'm like, I take mitochondrial support every single day because I just feel better on it. Yeah. Okay. So any like takeaway messages that you want people to have, you know, after this conversation? I think big, big picture, our goal is the the need to make people healthier. We know that there are so many factors associated with increased severity of COVID and long COVID. Um, this includes comorbidities, pre-existing disease states, uh, vitamin deficiencies, symptoms that existed pre-COVID puts you at risk for long COVID. And so our goal is how can we optimize this? How can we decrease inflammation? How can we get you feeling better? to not only improve your overall health, but to prevent the severity or the potential for this ongoing inflammatory immune system response. Oh, that was a good sound bite. (laughs) That was so succinct. You really tied it all up with a nice bow at the end. I don't really have anything to add. I think I definitely, you know, interjected my thoughts throughout the whole conversation. You know, I want to let people know that Rachel is taking patients. So if this is something you've been struggling with and you need help with, you can definitely reach out. Um, we'll link all the appropriate links up in the, the show notes. And um, yeah, hopefully we we just wanted to provide some more clarity on what the hell's going on and also give you some strategies to attempt to begin to feel better. Thank you for coming on yeah. the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.